Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Get over to Leon Tailoring for that young person who graduated. Congratulations, by the way. And make sure they've got the clothes for that big job interview. Hey, the economy may be good, but you still got to dress for success. And Leon Tailoring, they can help your young person do that with a professional wardrobe and attire that they need. And so all those years of college and getting a degree do not go to waste. So Leon Tailoring, the perfect place to get your young professional off to that start in the world of work. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Well, Indiana lawmakers on Monday will begin the great abortion debate here in the state of Indiana. So joining us in studio is a former lawmaker to give us some insight and some perspective. Our good friend, former state senator Jim Merritt, uh, used to be Senate Majority Leader, also candidate for mayor here in Indianapolis. So Jim, my friend, are, are you happy you're not in the legislature these days? <laughs> well, you, you, it's uh, it was a pleasure to serve for 30 years. And I, I think anybody that watched my uh, career, I always was... I felt like I was fearless towards the big issues of the day. And that, <laughs> Abdul, that started off with riverboats in 1991. So, so. Uh, if we could only have those days back yeah, then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, putting it in the budget and, and the whole issue with the constitutionality of that. But, um, yeah, I wish I was there because that's this is what legislators, serious legislators, uh, wish for the day where these big issues uh, come to the fore. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, well, any lawmakers, uh, the Senate uh, unveiled their version of, of the abortion legislation. It would ban abortion and deception of rape, incest, and the mother's life is in danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it would provide funding for expectant mothers, pregnant mothers, also sort of expand uh, birth control access. So how do you think your, your Senate colleagues are doing so far, well, even, even though it's only been just a couple of days? It's been a couple of days. That has been my wheelhouse for the last three decades. Uh, with the three exceptions, I, I, I am pro-life. And and so and and as well as, uh, you know, treating adoption uh, tenfold uh, the credits that you're going to be able to get out of the out of the, out of the state government. I think the the uh, Indiana uh, Republican Party is well represented in the Senate. We know it's going to change, but I think that was a very good start to the uh, what will be a long special session this summer. And something I think it's interesting that sort of happened in the, in the abortion debate, and I don't know if you noticed this too, is it just seems lately, uh, in the, it seems like inspective mothers, it used to be we just want to save, you know, save and protect the unborn, but that's evolved into now, let's take care of the moms as well. I've, mm-hmm. I've noticed mm-hmm. that, that sort of shift in the discussion. Well, you saw uh, uh, Senator Glick, who uh, who is leading the charge on this issue, and I would imagine uh, that the women in the House of Representatives, Republican women, and Vermillion, for instance, will be leading the charge there uh, because this is a women's issue. And, and women's, women's health is incredibly important. Foster care is important. Adoption is important. Uh, the Republican Party has to lead on this issue on health. And that's a big part of that. And it has changed. And legislators have changed. You know, people talk about the the Republican Party uh, for the last three, four decades has been prepared for this moment. Well, Abdul, you know that out of the 100 uh, legislators in the House of Representatives, probably 17 to 20 uh, are turnover every two years. And and uh, when I was in the Indiana Senate, uh, I always jo- used to joke that I was on my third senator from <laughs> Logansport. And so uh, these bodies turn over, and, and new ideas come to the come to the surface, and and now um, Speaker Houston and Senator Bray have to deal with these caucuses where you really don't know where they stand because there's so much turnover. And also something I think is interesting too. And I'd love to get your thoughts on this, which I uh, said with our good friend Rob Kendall is. 
pro-choice and pro-life are kind of like sort of the American League and the National League. Some teams are good for pitching. Some teams are good for shortstops. Some teams have good fielders. It's sort of like a sliding scale. Right. Because you have some folks who are, you know, pro-life, you know, period, uh, with the life of the mother. Other folks have exemptions. Other folks say, what about, you know, the, the fetuses? What about in vitro fertilization? It, it's a sliding scale. And when you have 50 people in one chamber and 100 people in another chamber, and folks are just sort of all over the place. Well, also, that's on a national scale. You, I, I'm sure there are countless Democrats who are pro-life, conservative Democrats, moderate Democrats. And, and you have that in both parties, either state or federal, where where um, they're, they're conservative on social issues, they're liberal on on uh, financial issues and and uh, it's a it's a mix. It's very Americana because each individual senator and representative have their own ideas, and that's going to what is going to make this session so intense and so long. And uh, and and they're going to have to come to grips with what they're doing. Senator Bray yesterday uh, was. Uh, was the leader that you would expect putting out the idea out there and and it's due to change and and what the republicans in the senate are offering is just um act one and exactly our guests on the program today is our good friend republican state senator jim mayor kind of give us some sort of perspective on what's going through sort of the minds of lawmakers as they get ready to deal with the abortion issue as well as the, the tax cut issue jim the tax cut issue we'll get uh in a little bit but something i thought was interesting uh was sort of the expansion of birth control and access to birth control because let's face it indiana republicans don't seem like you know big believers in birth control so to speak well the republican party's evolving and they understand what is going actually going on out in in Indiana? And as I said during the pandemic, they go to the gym, they go to church, they they go to the grocery, and they're listening to their constituents, and they're also looking at what is going on in the world. And we have the now famous case of the Ohio uh, young lady coming over here for an abortion. They probably saw that, and and they they need to be in um, in the mix in what is in our culture today. And that's probably why you saw um, in in the package of what was going on with penalties or non-penalties and, and just the reaction to technology has changed since I started running for office in 1989. And so they're trying to be present and they're trying to be understanding of what their constituents want. Uh, it's interesting, too, though, because both the House and the Senate did some polling. They wouldn't give us the results of their polling, but I'm assuming whatever is in the legislation is a result of at least taking, taking into account some of that polling. And when you were majority leader, did you guys ever have to poll issues to see where folks were? We were always polling. And, and, and I think people say, well, you're supposed to know. Well, I think polls really give you an idea, a snapshot in time of exactly what people are thinking and, and what they're supporting and what they don't want. And I and um, and I think you have to react to that. And I think Senator Bray and the caucus um, did that. I think that's the, the, the polling. What you saw in Senator Bray's press conference and Senator Glick is what people are thinking today. And, and as well as they, they as I understand, it, they've had countless hours of of um, caucusing, so the, it, it's an interesting mix of what can be supported and um, and what is going on out there. Well, it's like like I told our, like I said our colleague, it's a giant Venn diagram. You know, lawmakers are here, the public's here, the lobbyists are here, the right. other choice is here, and you got to find that that spot right in the middle where you can sort of get to get as much as you can. Right, and, and when. Um, when, when I was a state senator, I, I people asked me, how do you vote on How do you make decisions? 
and and the majority of the decisions you make as a legislator is is um, the input you're getting from your Senate district. And but there's also a, a gut, a feel of your what your philosophy is, and you just have to, as Senator Walker said in his press conference, you have to strike a balance. Our guest in the program today is our good friend, Republican State Senator Jim Merrick. Kind of give us some insight uh, as to what lawmakers are thinking as we get ready to do the great abortion debate uh, come Monday. Uh, Jim, something I also thought was interesting, too, uh, was uh, if there's no criminal penalties for the for the woman, no criminal penalties for the doctor, no criminal penalties for the, for the Uber driver, then why make it illegal? Well, that's a that's a large question. I think they're going to have to deal with in the next couple of weeks. I don't have the answer to that because I always thought that those those – uh, those issues would have uh, would be put on the table to be discussed. I, I don't even know what a would it be a misdemeanor. I, I think I think the legislators are going to have to hammer that out because you're going to hear from the House of Representatives that issue and and people of um, the Senate Republican Caucus and and that's a question that's going to have to be answered in the next couple of weeks. And I don't have the answer. Yeah, because like I said, I thought it was interesting. Uh, if you're a doctor, you can just basically lose your lose your, li- lose your license to practice, which is almost almost as bad as going to jail because now you got to go find a new a new livelihood. But I thought it was interesting that as far as a, a criminal penalty went, uh, there was none. And they also uh, basically said too that if a woman wanted to leave the state, she could do it. They didn't throw it. A, they didn't throw in sort of a prohibition on people leaving the state or, or the, the quote the Man Act mm-hmm. to, to go have a procedure done. Well, it's a very I'm sure very tender, very sensitive issue. Um, thank you, Todd Rokita. And uh, and 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 um, the legislators, they hear, they see, they they uh, they want to be um, in the know. They want to understand what's going on in the culture, and and what happened uh, with with Attorney General Rokita uh, and and the backlash that's gone on with him. Um, uh, they're watching, and they're watching very, very closely. Um, our good friend Kyle Walker uh, put out a news release the day before. Uh, Senate Majority Senate uh, Senate Pro Tem Rod Bray and Susan Glick put, had their news conference, basically setting out his position, rape, incest, and mother's life danger, but also uh, wanted to keep the window open for first uh, trimester. Not so much to comment on what Kyle thought, because once again, fifty lawmakers, fifty different ideas. But I, as, as I as I jokingly said, and maybe maybe I'm wrong here, would a senator put out a statement like that? Without notifying leadership first and foremost. Oh, uh, that was that was all set up. Uh, they wanted uh, Senator Walker, who um, replaced me in the Indiana Senate in Senate District Thirty One, which is the really the corner of Marion County and and uh, Hamilton Southeastern, if you will, and um, and and he has a tough reelection. That district has become a fifty two forty eight fifty one forty nine Republican Democrat district. And they wanted him to get out in front and give his opinion. And he's been uh, listening. And you know how big I am on listening as a as a legislator. He's been listening to people and he has gathered what his district will support. And uh, they gave him the opportunity to get out in front. Yeah, that's what I thought. It was like I thought, like I said, there's no way unless you're just totally off the off the deep end and no. just doing whatever. No, they they want to support him and allow him to um, get his word out there, and, and and they wanted to do the one two, um, the one two step. And I thought it was I thought it went very well. That that may you know there are people a lot of people disagree with him probably in Senate District Thirty One. They can now come to the State House. They can now send him an email, and but they know how he feels about the issue. How emotional do you think this issue really is? 
I think it's incredibly emotional. And uh, that's why I, I advise anybody that asks me to, um, you know, to call or to send a handwritten note to your legislator. I think it's very, very important that people understand in the legislature, and I think they too, <laughs> you have to be under a rock not to understand that the importance of this vote, and uh, and you just have to focus in on what people are thinking, as well as describe how you believe in the issue. I, I think it's incredibly emotional, incredibly tender, sensitive issue, and um and and it's going to be a fascinating look in the next 30 days. So what do you do if you're a lawmaker and you're in sort of one place on an issue, but your constituents are in another place mm-hmm. on the issue? What well, do you, how, do you, how, do you, how do you reconcile the two? You've got to go with your gut, and and um, and but you also have to be able to explain it in an elevator speech of one, two, three. When, when you're talking with somebody, and you've got to have the passion about it, and um, you saw that with Senator Walker. You've got to be able to explain your position and uh, be ready for people to disagree with you. Jim Merritt with us for a few more minutes on the program today. Jim Merritt, former state senator, give us some insight uh, into uh, what lawmakers are doing with respect to the abortion issue, what we can expect in the next coming weeks. Uh, Jim, it's funny because before you and I started having our conversation, I kind of jokingly said, no, this has the potential to be another riffra uh, 2.0. Because Indiana's the only side. Yeah, exactly. Because Indiana's the only legislature that'll be meeting uh, and actually taking up this issue. So you have lots of folks. Uh, not only here locally or here regionally, but also nationwide, mm-hmm. kind of swooping in on Indiana, both the pro-choice and the pro-life side of things. That's why that's why it was uh, present for the um, Senate Republican Caucus to come with all those monies for women's health, for foster care, for adoption care. And, and uh, Republicans in the past have just not done a really good job of of the safety net and 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 the situations that they put people in with their decisions and I think with this position that they've taken with Senator Bray's press conference they've also come with uh supporting the pregnancy crisis centers and and um and incentivizing people to adopt I think they've done a good job of the balance that Senator Kyle Walker was talking about. I want to change gears a little bit, because in addition to uh, the abortion issue, lawmakers also be dealing with the tax issue. Right. And it looks like you got the, in this situation, you got the governor and the House of Representatives on one side and the Senate on the other side, because the governor wants to give the $225 uh, tax rebate mm-hmm. uh, to folks. It's in the House version of a bill that they'll be taking up. But the Senate sort of scrapped the $225 and said, you know, eliminate the, the utility tax for a while, uh, freeze the sales tax on gasoline, uh, do some other things as well. What do you see happening? Well, uh, first of all, the the Senate Republican Caucus had a good start yesterday with Senator Bray's press conference, but they have got to communicate and recommunicate and continue to communicate that th- those ideas because uh, they're kind of invisible and and the whole idea of uh, of um, uh, this uh, utilities receipts tax. I think I think that's a wonderful idea. Being the utility chairman for so many years, I always thought that you hit everybody in that regard. But you have to remind them that they're um, they're they're lowering their taxes on in the gas tax as well. I always thought uh, uh, the removing. Uh, I let me just say this. I've changed my mind since the spring. Uh, about uh, about eliminating the the uh, taxes on gasoline because forty percent of those gas taxes are paid for out of state uh, out of state drivers and motorists. 
I think it's something like the utility tax and removing that is a great idea. We just have to make sure people understand it's there versus, you know, how long does it take to get the a couple hundred dollars out to two individuals. I, I it's all we, about we, communication. My wife and we still haven't gotten our hundred and twenty five dollar checks yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so I'm not sure what good that's gonna do. Um and and, and it'll buy us dinner at Hyde Park. Well yeah, and, and yeah, that's that's exactly right. But it, that's it, about it. Yeah, it's 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 a really a drop in the ocean. And it's all about uh, reminding people of actually what you did. And you know, this past year, uh, they cut the um, pension, uh, the pension amounts. It was thirteen million. They cut it to ten. 13, thirteen billion. And they cut it to ten billion. And they're putting four hundred million dollars on the liability. And and um, the Senate Republicans have to. Uh, detail out exactly what that means. And, and you know, the Constitution says we can't go into debt, but we still have a $10 billion liability on the on the different uh, public servant pensions. And so it, it's all about repetition. It's all about communication. And uh, it's up to the Senate Republicans to remind everybody how valuable that uh, what they're taking um, out of the future budgets. Uh, final question for you, my friend. Nothing to do with taxes or abortion. Marijuana. My other, Marijuana. My other favorite mm-hmm. topic. Uh, lawmakers have a summer study committee on uh, the impact of THC, mm-hmm. uh, Delta 8, Delta 9, Delta 10. Uh, you hearing anything so far? or I, I, I think this session, I think you're going to see several cannabis bills, probably medical cannabis bills. This is a time. Indiana has great weather and great climate, uh, great soil for hemp, and so many different great things can come from hemp, be extracted from hemp. And um, that's also a sales job for people that support. Uh, for your listeners, I support the idea, not the idea, but the issue of regulation of, of cannabis for um, medical and, and for uh, recreational. I think we ought to take uh, the best practices uh, from around the country and, the, and, and subtract the worst practices. And um, it's a job job. Um, uh, producer, if you will. It's it's revenue, but it also regulates so we know what's coming in our state. Also, it saves me the trouble having to drive to Illinois just to go get my stuff. I can't comment on that. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just throwing it out there. It's, it would save anybody the trouble from driving to Illinois. Well, it's time. Yeah. It's time. And, you know, the federal government has been, um, has been uh, considering this, and they say some sort of cannabis bill is coming on, but state of Indiana cannot be left behind. And something has to happen very soon. Our good friend, Republican State Senator, former Republican State Senator Jim Merritt, uh, on the program today. Jim, my friend, as always, thank you very much for appreciating us. And we'll probably be talking again uh, in about two weeks as as the bills go through. Happy to do so. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.